0: Get involved with the best people. Actually, it's more of a guideline rule. And
1: I know what I saw, and that's not what you're telling me what I saw. I-
2: We're on the air. I am Myron House, and I am with Josh Hurd. And uh, today's show is going to be amazing. This will probably blow your mind. (laughs) Look, I I, want to talk about a few things before we get into the interview with with Mr. Neil Adams. Uh, And one of them is pseudoscience. And you know we're doing a show on we're doing a show on ghosts and uh, the supernatural, pseudoscience stuff like that. But and I don't believe in any of that stuff. <laughs> I, I believe in, in certain sciences, uh, and I believe in aliens. But I I don't believe in paranormal and stuff like that. But I'm going to defend uh, pseudoscience today. And only a certain aspect of it. Yeah. This is going to be really good stuff, too. What do you, what do you, what do you know about uh, pseudoscience, Josh? Pseudoscience? Pseudoscience. What's pseudoscience mean to you?
1: Um, anything that would not be considered you know mainstream scientific study. So basically what I do every day. With ghost hunting, paranormal type things. Like, so, the thing that's weird about like paranormal investigating is every instrument that I use mm-hmm. to supposedly, you know, check for the existence of of a ghost or to communicate with a ghost mm-hmm. is these are tools that can be used in other fields, such as like an EMF detector. Well, electricians use those every day. Yeah. Every single day to yeah. check if a a, a thing, uh, an outlet or whatever or a wire is hot, yeah. you know. I mean, it's a uh, digital voice recorder is another piece of equipment that I use constantly. Well, get on any college campus in America and talk to any college student. And I guarantee that they're using one of those things to to record lectures, you know, things of that nature. Doctors use them all the time for for their dictations, you know, I mean, it's things of that nature. So everything that I'm using is, is, is utilized in another field of study. So that, you know, in itself is what makes the paranormal and things of that nature pseudoscience. So there's no way to,
2: to recreate. You're you're saying that, that just by using uh, an EMF uh, detector, that in itself is pseudoscience.
1: Not necessarily that. It's me using that and using other tools that are from all these different all these different um studies. And then the the problem is that would would really make it like a pseudoscience is the fact that there is no laboratory. There is no way to to recreate something happening. Mm. You know, oh my my friend got pushed or got scratched. Okay, well how do you how do you
2: have that recreated? You know. Well, that's a phenomenon. That's Right, exactly. Sci- science is a study though. It's a, it's a study, not a phenomenon. It, it, so you have a phenomenon, let's say your house is haunted. You ha- you have to be able to go in and say, "Okay, how do we prove that there's ghosts?" And then and then one scientist would would uh come up with a hypothesis and then he would, he would uh, do experiments to prove that there, that ghosts exist. And then he would write a paper and then that paper would be uh, published in a journal. And then other scientists would pick that up and, and on their own volition, do the same experiments and, or a version of their own experiments to come to the same conclusion. And if they came to the same conclusion, that's the peer review process and and once the once it uh something becomes peer reviewed right then it becomes a theory right a working theory a working absolutely because there's You're a right. big difference between right. a hypothesis and a theory and what you get with with sciences right whether they're studying uh cancer or geology or physics or space or or whatever subject you have right global warming uh you have to come up with a hypothesis you have to to devise experimentation sure then you publish your results uh and there can't be any slant You, you can't slant it in your favor you have to have facts completely so, unbiased yes you have to be completely unbiased a true scientist is completely unbiased because he only cares about getting the results he doesn't care what the results are whereas people normal people do care about results so, absolutely oh yeah so so if i want to if i want to say uh such and such is the way it is then i i will sure. go out and I will have a bias, and I and I want it to be that way, and, and I will try to prove that, that it is that way. That it is that one yeah. specific way. Yeah. Right. Science <laughs> doesn't work like that. True science does the test, does the experiments, right? finds the results, and then those results are published. And then other scientists will try to uh, recreate the experiments or – try to come to the same conclusions if if you have a result and nobody else can get that result then you've been debunked i was just going to say that it's not mm -hmm. working anymore and that's that is a very simple breakdown of the scientific process sure the other issue with uh science as far as uh as far as outcomes are concerned. It, it, basically, there's there's several schools of science. You you have a, a, a science on almost every subject. Right. So a lot of scientists, especially nowadays, are not general practitioners of science, kind of like the medical profession. Yeah, absolutely. They have specialties where one scientist only studies this and this other scientist. Scientist only studies that, and they don 't necessarily talk to each other either, right exactly but other scientists that study that same subject will peer review his results yeah. and so you get a community, a small community let 's say theoretically there's there 's a hundred scientists in the world. Well, you have four groups of scientists that study the same thing twenty five apiece. So one scientist is studying geology, and he's got 24 peers that study geology, yeah and uh, certain aspects of geology. And then you have another group of scientists that s- study quantum physics, and, and so that group just studies quantum physics. And then you have another group that, that does, uh, let's say, outer space exploration, whatever it is. Sure, right? like, like atmospheric science oh okay yeah right yeah so uh so you have these three groups and then one will publish a paper and the guy who's doing uh, the geology will publish his paper the only people that give a shit about his paper are the other geologists (laughs) the 24 other people exactly in (laughs) In his little world the guy's doing atmospheric stuff they don't care about the the earth that you know and and rocks and 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 stuff like that they only care about Atmospheric stuff, so What's so going on so they'll peer review their their atmospheric stuff, but they won't peer review this guy. And and basically, what I'm trying to say is that you you come up with two different conclusions because because you can take the results that the geologists get, and then you can take the results that the atmospheric guys get, right? Right, and you can say and And maybe just on one experiment, and you can say, "Hey, this makes sense for this, and oh, I pulled this from these geologists, you know, and that kind of ties in with this atmospheric stuff right right exactly and then and then, what you do is you come to a conclusion, and maybe you're not a scientist, but the the results are right there, and they're two working theories right now remember the difference between a hypothesis and a and theory a theory, a theory has been peer reviewed right uh, so you have these these two theories and you're looking at them and you go, "Oh, okay, well I'm coming to a hypothesis based off of these two theories." Now both of these theories are working theories, but when you put them together, you 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 can only have a hypothesis sure. because you haven't experimented with those two things yet. And then so you go to the group of geologists and you say, "Hey, you know, these guys over here they did this and we have this this conclusion" that they have. And I think it ties in with your conclusion. Well, you have a 50, 50 chance that they're going to tell you to piss off. (laughs) And and the reason why is because now they have to work with another group of scientists and because they're not generalized and, and, and because they don't know anything about atmospheric stuff. Absolutely. They're not going to, they're, they're not going to take the step to cross over into that world, and, and vice versa. And and if they did, they'd probably just get in a fight anyways. Yeah, And and that goes back to being unbiased, because it, the only reason they would fight is because maybe one doesn't know too much about the other. And and if you're a scientist, you don't want to do something that you don't really know too much about. Yeah. What, you know, if you go back in the day and you, you go back to Tesla, which there's a lot of pseudoscience around Tesla, the dude was a madman. Oh yeah, <laughs> but he was a general scientist. Yeah, absolutely. And and he did he he came up with hypotheses on several different subjects, and uh, did experiments based off of those hypotheses and right. and came up with theories that got peer reviewed. A lot of them didn't because, th- and those are the pseudoscience ones. But a lot a lot of them got peer reviewed and you know so he has a lot of general science out there. We don't really have that these days. And that kind of goes to the subject we're talking about today. There really does. I think it does. Because and and just for those that didn't read the title, today we are going to be talking about the growing earth theory. This is so amazing. Yeah. Take everything that you ever learned
1: in school from this point and just completely throw it out the window
2: it's gone (laughs) like uh, completely gone well that it that's again that goes back to whether or not you are going to trounce on it because it has not been peer-reviewed but don't we do that naturally anyway well, we do. We take sides, and and we I do like really well. <laughs> and we also, we also like to uh, think that we ourselves have advanced w- along with science. So when science comes out with a with a theory and says, and and I'll use tectonic plates and 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 you know sl- continents sliding around the Earth, right? You know, Pangea theory, right? If our scientists today come to the consensus that we have a Pangea theory, then, then normal people like you and I like to run around and say, hey, we have this Pangea theory, and that's the way it is. And anybody who comes a, across you know, our path and says, hey, that's not true, and it couldn't possibly be true, and, and we say, yeah, well, Fuck you! You know right. uh, you're an idiot. You're stupid, and 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 we pull out uh, a lot of demeaning stuff to try to disprove this guy. But exactly, but that demeaning stuff doesn't further the conversation, and and it doesn't. No, I think if anything, it hinders it. You uh, know exactly, it does. You know, it's like it's like I have a complaint about you, and it's legitimate, and I say, okay, hey Josh, you know this this complaint I have about you. You know, I just want to address it. And instead of addressing it, you go, hey, well, screw off. You know, you're yeah, out here. You're ugly. I don't want to hear it. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And 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 that doesn't that doesn't fix anything. You know, I and and here's my my difference between pseudoscience. Right. And mainstream science, as far as like the paranormal is concerned, nobody even has a hypothesis of the, of the of the mathematics right oh hell no hardcore data that shows that ghosts exist that's the problem and well, well how do you measure well, it how do you measure it that's up to science it's definitely not up to us i mean you're not a scientist you're, i think that, that's the problem with the field there are no scientists. Yeah, but nobody is going to come in. Oh, no, no, no legitimate scientist is going to come in and try to. No, they're not going to prove touch this. whether or not there's ghosts.
1: They're not going to touch it.
2: They're not. And and I don't know if there is a way to prove that there is ghosts. But if there was a, a working theory on ghosts, I would probably believe in ghosts. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. Well, so we're going to be talking about the expanding earth and. And we have Neil Adams, and he's an amazing, amazing guy. And basically what he's done is he's come up with a hypothesis. That's it, just a hypothesis. But it is it it's based off of what I said earlier, which is off the shelf yeah, theories. It's, it's based off of like hard evidence right there. It, yeah, exactly. See, you're gonna hear you're going to hear Neil Neil Adams talk about the expanding Earth theory or the growing Earth theory. Right, Sorry. right? The growing the growing Earth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you're going to talk. To, you're going to hear him talk about it. And w- what I want you to keep in mind is that one, it's a hypothesis. It is not a working theory. However, imagine a shelf, kind of like on. Kind of like, well, imagine Jeopardy, right? Where it's got it's got the schools of science across the top, and then a subject underneath. Right. He went to each school of science and got working theories, and and put them together and looked at it. So when you have uh, when you have pair production, which is uh, uh, the creation of new matter, that is a working theory. He did not make that up. No, none of this is made up. This is all based on other people's work. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is mind-blowing. Yeah. uh, To say the very least, mind-blowing. The age of the bottom of the ocean. Now, so the Navy did a study and shown the uh, uh, age of the ocean. And they they said that the oldest it it was 180 million years or something like that. And one guy came back with a comment that said to Neil Adams he, it, it said, well, when they did that study, it, you know, it, you're talking about sediments that just settled there. And that's why it's not older than 180 million years old, because the earth is 13 billion years old. So, right, so you right. would say the bottom of the ocean would be 13 billion years old. But the the <laughs> the problem with this, this guy, who's just a normal guy like you and I, is that he thinks the navy wouldn't put that wouldn't wouldn't take that into consideration and uh and and that's the problem so you get you get ridiculed ridiculed based on uh, uh a piece of evidence that you have from a US naval study that says Hey, the bottom of the ocean isn't uh, in, any older than 180 million years. Well, that's because they only measured the the sediments. They didn't go any deeper than that. Well, yeah, they did go deeper than that. I, 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 you know, I mean, the Navy isn't going to isn't in the business of, uh, you know, our naval science isn't in the business of, of, of finding out the age of sediments. They're, they're going to if they're going to study the age of the seafloor, they're going to they're going to go to the frickin seafloor you know they're not going to measure sperm poop right <laughs> sperm well poop so it's uh look at this poop <laughs> yeah so so that's that's one of the things that uh i'm trying to say is that he he pulls these 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 theories off the shelf of these different sciences so along with taking these uh these theories off the shelf, and putting them together. Neil Adams, and it wasn't just Neil Adams. There were there were. It would. It, he discusses Paul in the interview, uh, or he'll he'll discuss Paul in the interview, which is which is uh, an actual scientist who pulled these theories off the shelf, came up with his own hypothesis, and he was getting some some credit for it in the beginning, right. But then something happened with the pair production, which is creating new matter, which goes against certain laws of physics. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It, but it was a it's a working theory. So if you look up pair production, you'll find that it is a working theory. And that it has been peer reviewed. Everything everything that we're going that that's gonna be discussed is peer reviewed right. on an individual basis. Yes. And it's all put together to come up with this hypothesis. So I guess I, I want to just prime you for for what's gonna be said here. And the primer is is that the the continents don't slide around on tectonic plates. And 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 come together, and then and then and spread apart, like the Pangea theory. Basically, the Earth and every planet in the universe is growing, and not expanding, because expanding means that you have the same amount of matter. Right. Uh, new matter is being created. The Earth is growing. The Moon is growing. Mars is growing, Europa, every planet in the solar system and the universe beyond is growing. And the universe itself is growing. Yeah. Which is also a working theory, you know, which is absolutely, like the, of course. The universe is uh, getting larger. Uh, so w- basically, when you go into this, I just want you to listen to the guy. I really want you to go and, and, and watch his videos. That he has, and we'll put links up in the in, on the post on Facebook and and Twitter, so that you can go and, and watch these videos. And I think that the thing that gets me about what he said is that it, the universe has to be there has to be a simpler solution to to the theory of the universe, right? Right. It, things have to be simpler to understand, not because we're stupid and we have to have things told to us in simple ways, <laughs> but just, just because it's not as convoluted as we think it is. Now, are you going to get into,
1: I want you to, I want you to tell the story of like your first interaction with Neil. Uh, the phone call. The I want to w- specifically the phone okay. call. All right.
2: Now we recorded this. We recorded the interview on Sunday, and it's Friday today. And we're, we're going to get this podcast out. But, uh, so I had mentioned in in episode three that we should do a show on the growing earth because a few years ago I saw the videos online, and I was blown away by the videos. Yeah. Now, if you don't know who Neil Adams is, Neil Adams is a very famous uh, historic comic book artist. Now, that's kind of funny, right? A comic book artist that that, that has these... That's (laughs) diving into all this stuff. Yeah, diving into all this stuff. And uh, he's right up there with... uh, Now, Stan Lee is a writer... But he's just as important to the comic book industry as Stanley. Everybody listening to this podcast right now has been touched by Neil Adams, whether you know his name or not. Everybody's seen the the first Batman movie with Ra's Al Ghul as the bad guy. Yes. Now Ra's Al Ghul is a creation of Neil Adams. Yes. So he got a big fat check <laughs> for, for, for Ra's Al Ghul Absolutely. when when the movie came out. <laughs> and and he's been uh he's been doing comic books since since uh the 50s so uh or 60s or something like that yeah i'm not a comic book guy but i'm definitely a fan of neil adams all right so uh i mentioned doing the show uh on the growing earth and then uh after that i said hey i'm going to try to get a hold of neil adams so <laughs> i emailed neil adams I went to his website and I emailed him and, uh, I said in the email, Hey, we do a small podcast. We'd like to interview you, uh, on the growing earth. Now this guy, uh, he's been on coast to coast and, yeah. for those of you who know coast to coast yeah. right that's but they accept everything, and then shit, but <laughs> I have yet to be interviewed on coast to coast, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so not quite everything well, but I'm saying every, every they have oh, a reputation yeah. of crackpot theories absolutely you know, pseudoscience, lots of pseudoscience so uh so he's been on coast to coast a couple of times with this uh Kevin Smith. Uh, the director of Clerks, who is a god to me, yeah, chasing Amy, yeah, mall rats, Uh, Red State. He uh, just got done doing a five-hour interview on Neil Adams. It's starting with number fifty-six. So if you go yeah. to the Fat Man on Batman, you can listen to that. Now it's not going to be about ghosts. It's going to be about uh, or, or Growing Earth. It's going to be about comic books. But it is uh, an amazing series of interviews that kevin smith did with him Uh, so i emailed him and what i got back was sure call (laughs) right that was it there was no phone number included uh and uh and i had just woke up and i seen this and i thought oh that sounds like sarcasm is neil adams dead (laughs) are they telling me to call a dead guy like like yeah why don't you go ahead and call him he's dead you know so i looked it up no he's not dead So uh, then I'm thinking, okay, but it still sounds like sarcasm because they didn't include a number. It was a two word reply. Sure. Call. Sure. Yeah. (laughs) So I emailed him back and I said, I I basically said, look, uh, basically, we're doing this. we're, We're, you know, I must have been going about this wrong. I, if you want me to submit the questions to you, I will. I, I, I really just want to get you on the show. If I'm coming off as amateur, it's because I am. <laughs> and I so he, he emails me back and he says, he basically says, cause, cause, and I'm paraphrasing because I'm not reading him, but he basically says, hey, dude, w- what the fuck's your problem? Why don't you just call me? Yeah, Just call me. You know, Amateurs are welcome, right? But he still didn't include a number, but he had sent another email. At the same time, because I read the first one, then I went to the second one. And it said, "P.S. I'll be at this number for the next two hours." Now he was in Texas doing a comic book convention, right? And uh, I'm leaving. I'm on the road, and it's about twelve thirty at night when I when I got these emails, or it was I got the emails around eleven thirty? I, I checked them twelve thirty, so I'm I'm on the interstate. And I'm driving, and I want to call him just to set up a time to do the interview. So I get him on get him on the phone, and he asks he asks me, "Well, do you have rec- recording equipment?" And I said, "Well, yeah, we have uh, some professional recording equipment at the at the studio or whatever." And uh, so he starts talking, and he goes into the expand you know the growing earth theory. And about 15 minutes into it, I realize he thinks I'm recording him.
3: and and i'm
2: like oh i gotta stop him you know because he's he's going on everything he's saying is wonderful and and i am driving in a car and i'm not recording him so i'm like neil neil and i'm cutting into him and before i could say anything past neil he says oh you screw it up and you are not recording Uh, conversation right now you screwed up (laughs) yeah and I said no no I'm I'm in my car I'm I'm on my way home right now and I just wanted to call and set up a time to do the interview and he sounded really irritated and uh (laughs) but he but then he continues to talk and so he's he's going on about science and scientists and and I'm driving and I get to my off-ramp now I don't get a very good cell signal. We live in the boondocks of Iowa. Yeah. So I know if I get off the interstate and I turn towards the town that I live in, if I if I turn towards it, I'm going to lose my <laughs> cell signal. So I pull over at the end of the off-ramp at the stop sign, and I'm letting him talk, and he's talking away. And an SUV pulls up right behind me, and I'm thinking, oh, shit. And here comes a cop up to my window, right? because I'm parked on the, the intersection and I'm talking to Neil Adams and I put my finger up to tell the cop, hold on one second. And I'm like, Neil, Neil. And, uh, I tell the cop, Hey, I'm, I'm talking to Neil Adams. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> like, and I have a 50, 50 shot that this guy had read comic books, you exactly. know? And, exactly. uh, and, uh, so Neil is like, okay. And then I, I tell the cop, you know, hey, I'm talking to Neil Adams on the phone and, and, uh, you know, the famous comic book artist. And the guy's like, the cop is, uh, look, I'm, I, I just want to know if you're all right. I said, yeah, I'm fine. And he goes, <laughs> yeah, you're not drunk, are you? <laughs> and I said, no, no, I, I don't drink. And he goes, all right, that's all I wanted to know. Oh and, and so he leaves. Well, I get back on the phone with Neil and Neil says, all right, look, I understand, uh, Basically, he says he's saying that he understands that I was just trying to call him to set up a time, right? Right. He goes, "I understand. Get your shit together, <laughs> and call me back tomorrow night. Get your shit together. Yeah, get your shit together." He says, "And call me back tomorrow night." And that's what I did. So the next day, we we ended up calling him. So, and and so. The, uh, it was a blast just talking to him for, and he talked for 38 minutes. So, so getting the, uh, getting the, during the interview, it, it was, uh, he's an amazing guy. And you're going to hear that it's hard to cut in on him when he's talking. Yeah. You know, to ask him questions. And, and there was a, a, a time, I, I, remember, I remember asking him a, a question about uh, another interview that he had done. And what I wanted to point out to him was that this guy had said that, uh, well, basically, Neil says that, you know, Einstein uh, didn't become the de facto mathematician or scientist until after he was pretty much peer-reviewed, and that it's not Neil's job to peer-review his, his own hypothesis it's 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 up to the scientific community exactly which is refusing to do it and uh this guy says you know no i you know einstein came up with his theories and and they were pretty much good to go right out of his brain but then later on he says well einstein didn't become the de facto Mathematician until after he was peer reviewed, so it was kind of a it was kind of a funny thing, and and I tried to ask Neil about it, but I only got halfway through it, and he starts talking again. But that's what's that's what's good about him, you know. So you're going to hear a lot of uh, 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 <laughs> you know me trying to break in and, and ask him something, but it doesn't work. So just you'll probably that sense. hear
1: uh, the sound of steam escaping from my ears from my mind. <laughs> melting <laughs> your mind <laughs> oh and also i got a new mic uh yes is christmas came early yeah to the to the spooktastic
2: studios over here <laughs> so so the recording today not during the interview i had my old mic right but uh it, but right now what we're recording right now it should be good to go it should sound good we got pop filters and yeah the mic we got all sorts of fun stuff rocking it looks I mean, it looks like a real studio now. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. So without further ado, we uh, are going to play the interview. So let's uh, ring up Neil Adams. Hello. Hey, Neil. It's Myron. How are you? Hey, how are you? I am a lot better than I was last night. I've got everything (laughs) set up and uh, the the sound quality is, is set for perfect and i'm way prepared
0: this time well i loved it when you were talking to the cop trying to explain that you were talking to neil adam <laughs> <laughs> i thought what is that gonna do well if the Good guy, grief well, you, you got if fit, he was a comic book fan yeah
2: if he was a comic book fan he he probably yeah, would have got the car perfect. with me <laughs> there you go <laughs> i'm here with i'm here with josh Hurd. he's uh is, is josh Hurd the skeptic he no, I am. I'm the, I'm, I'm the I'm, skeptic. I'm the believer.
1: Yeah, okay, he, good. it's good to meet you. By the way,
0: how are you?
2: I'm doing well. Uh, so
0: you're you're staying you're staying close to the microphone, so I can hear you, right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I I <laughs> okay, have because you don't you don't sound that close, there.
2: He no. doesn't. Well, he, that's because he's actually four feet away. <laughs> oh, that from from the phone. <laughs>
0: that would do it.
2: That would that would do it. Yeah. Uh. So I. It, Look, I I saw your videos a couple years ago. Which I which are I you recording?
0: Mentioned. Are you yes. recording now? I
2: am recording. Okay. We are okay. prepared this yeah. time. Do it. Do it. Uh, Do it. Okay. I saw your videos a couple years ago. I I got really interested in them. I did not delve into the physics of it. I'm not a scientist.
0: Did you Did you see how many vid- videos there were?
2: Oh. Yeah, I I've been to your website. Sure. I've been to the YouTube yeah. channel. I, I I've so seen, there are a lot. There are a lot. Yeah, I really like the Moon one and the Mars one too, because yeah. it so uh, there's
0: two there's two Marses. Yeah, and there's one on uh, there's one on um, Europa. Uh, I was going to say Enceladus, but Europa. But uh, NASA seems to be actually weirdly agreeing, and then only recently a couple of scientists said they discovered their subduction near the North Pole on Mars. And I'm thinking, are you so damn desperate that you're going to try to find a, a subduction on Europa? <laughs> How do you do that? And and then they said it was near the North Pole. And I'm thinking, really? You found subduction near the North Pole? So what is happening? Uh, God's got a string at the North Pole, and he's sucking <laughs> sucking <laughs> material up into the North Pole. Is that really what you're Boy, what desperation! I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Well, anyway.
2: uh, let's start at the beginning. You You, sure. you had mentioned. Um,
0: let me see. What was it? Seven thousand things. Uh,
2: well, yeah, it was in the nineteen sixties. It was
0: um, Samuel think, Warren Carey.
2: Yes, Samuel Carey. You're thinking M. Carey.
0: of Samuel Warren Carey, who wrote a, book, wrote a book. Actually, wrote two books on on um, uh, the. Uh, the what he called it the, the uh, expanding Earth, mm-hmm. and uh, he was actually Samuel Warren Carey was writing uh, papers on tectonics from 1925, and he was one of the leading lights in the uh, the uh, the, uh, the discovery of and the and the exa- examining of tectonics on the Earth. The idea that plates might be moving on the Earth. It wasn't until the 1960s that he finally sat back, and now that everybody pretty much agreed that continents had broken apart and were moving around, that uh, we have to sit back and take this a little bit more seriously and just stop saying things like, you know, (laughs) all the continents were located on one side of the Earth and they broke apart and spread around to the other side of the Earth without explaining how such a thing could possibly be since you can't do that you can't take these pieces and slide them around the other side of the earth without consequences you have to they have to go somewhere there has to be something there mm-hmm. and even in geology the whole premise that the earth started with a granitic crust that only covered uh, uh, one-third of the earth that light that I mean, you you know the the process of differentiation. Uh, differentiation is simply that, in, if you got a, a tube of material, different materials in it, and you let it settle, or you heat it, or you shake it, or whatever, the lighter stuff goes to the top. Yes, the bubbles of a soda, for example. Um, so what happens is, granitic rock, okay, is what is it two point seven times the weight of water, and uh, basalt rock is about 3.3 times the weight of water, quite a bit heavier than uh, granitic rock. Mm-hmm. So your granitic rock is the rock that makes up your continental plates and your continental plates are basically granitic. I mean there's there's other uh, components there, but essentially granitic. Your oceanic plates are basalt which are which basically are the whole and all the new plates that are being made down there are basalt. So logically, what you would have is a heated planet uh, that was not necessarily totally molten, but you're, you're melting the rock, right, and the lighter rock is coming up to the top, the top being the outer surface of the Earth. So logically, that granitic rock, which comes in pillow pillow form of, you know, of, of molten rock, comes up to the surface and coats the surface or just under the surface under the under the sedimentary rock and forms a coating or layer after layer of granitic rock so and of course being opportunistic like water is opportunistic it falls into the lower areas this granitic molten granitic rock in a liquid form would fall to the lower areas so it would logically fill the whole surface of the Earth with granitic rock or coat the Earth with granitic rock because that's how differentiation works, Mm -hmm. okay? It would not end up in cookie-cutter patterns uh, on various sections of the Earth uh, as in puzzle pieces, and then the heavier stuff is the oceanic rock. It would essentially cover the Earth, and it would stay like that, uh, unless, you know, there might be volcanoes and there might be things, unless the Earth grew. And if the Earth grew, then what would happen is that surface, that crust, would crack apart. And because it's growing or because there's new material being made from the inside, the cracks would spread and they would spread and they would spread. But because they're they're spreading faster than they ever did before, they would not be differentiated Granitic rock, although there would be some sometimes there, and as there is at the bottom of the ocean, but essentially the heavier rock that didn't get a chance to essentially differentiate is the heavier stuff that was left over below, and that's what you're getting with some granitic rock along the way. So your continental plates, which are you know like corks in a way, on top of this heavier stuff, uh, would break apart and be left on the surface, but in these jigsaw puzzle pieces, uh, because the essentially the earth was growing and getting bigger and leaving the outer crust behind, mm-hmm. as if you could take a, you know, I, I, every once in a while they use the example of a chicken and, and an egg, but that it doesn't really work. If you could imagine an egg the chicken inside kind of growing, you know, and cracking the eggshell. And, they, and the, of course, the eggshells kind of move apart on this chicken that's trying to burst out and getting bigger than the egg itself. It's sort of like that. It's a really poor analogy, but like that. So, so, uh, he, Kerry was saying, no, you can't say that all the continents were together on one side of the earth and then they broke apart and they spread around to the other side of the earth because there would be consequences on the other side of the earth where these things went and smashed into each other and buckled up the uh, oceanic plate. He said it's much better to assume that the Earth was smaller and it expanded. Of course, being a geologist, he would use the word expanded. He wouldn't use the word grow because he's a geologist and he doesn't have a grounding in physics. And in physics, any physicist would say, you, you can't say expanded. There's no such thing. You would have to say growing, and if you did that, you would have to give the mechanism of the growth. And that was the quandary that uh, Carey, Carey's uh, uh, theory, theoretical ramblings, uh, ran into from physics. And of course, the geologists, terrified of the physicists. You know, demanded that Kerry come up with a magical formula, which, of course, he couldn't because he was just a geologist; he wasn't a physicist. Mm-hmm. But he said, "No, forget that. I don't know why it's happening. It, what is what is the truth? Is it is happening? And as geologists, we should recognize it and we should admit to it and tell you know tell people this and let the physicists figure it out. Anyway." Uh, <laughs>
2: On the, on the issue of expanding versus growing, if I were to say that the Earth is expanding rather than growing, that, couldn't I say that... Would that, be, that, would, you, that would be silly.
0: Sure. You can say it. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that's sort of like saying the universe is expanding. Yeah, but, but, but what is, is... just as silly.
2: What is the argument against... Uh, a denser material in in the core of the Earth coming up and becoming a less dense material. Therefore, why the would why
0: would a de- why would a denser dense. material? Does steel get less dense? Does iron get less dense? Does copper get less dense? Does does granitic rock get less dense? Nothing gets less dense.
2: Well, when I was that's a
0: silly, that's a silly concept sure. that was that was actually created uh, during the during the. Uh, 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 what do they call the, uh, not exploding universe, but the Big Bang. Oh, yeah. They said all the all the matter of the universe was compressed into a thing the size of a walnut or, or a football or a barn. You can pick your analogy. Mm-hmm. And it all uh, magically expanded to become, you know, whatever it has become today. Now, that's so stupid that there's no, you can't, how, how there's, no, there's no such thing. There's nothing. I mean, it, 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 what happens, uh, understand this, In, in uh, understand physics. In physics, you learn very quickly that an atom, okay, of a particular material mm-hmm. takes up a certain amount of space because of its magnetic field. The molecules, okay, mm-hmm. are a certain distance apart. The electrons are a given distance apart. Uh, from the nucleus they don't change you can heat them okay you can heat them and you'll get a very little expansion in the atom and you'll get a big expansion in the molecules in fact if you heat them enough they will they will move apart so far that they will become a gas and they will float around Mm -hmm. so you can if you add another force like heat or thermal Mm -hmm. force things to expand Mm-mm. But we're starting with an Earth that science tells us started molten. <laughs> yeah, right. It's as hot as it could possibly get. <laughs> and it started with particles from suns that came to Earth, presumably, and all gathered together. And if they did, those are atoms. No different than the atoms that make up your desk or your lamp or whatever else you have in your room. There's not super compressed atoms that come from outer space. There's no super compressed atoms. They wouldn't be atoms. There, there's nothing in physics that allows such a thing. You can take something and compress it, okay, mm-hmm. for just a little bit. Just a, You can barely compress water, okay? You can compress six miles of water to get a, high, a tide. <laughs> but if you're on a lake, you can't do it because yeah. that's not that not deep enough. So you can't compress atoms unless you add a tremendous amount of force. It is not a physical concept. It's a fantasy concept. Now, I'm used to writing science fiction. You must understand. And I can write that. I can write, oh, yes, some magical force made this matter inside of the Earth expand. What matter is that? Excuse me. Well, it's super compressed matter from dark stars. A, you know, it's like you know. I'll make up some shit, but it'll be bullshit, and it'll be a yard wide. Believe me, there is no such thing. It doesn't exist in science. Yeah, I am. I, I milked the dark star and took the compressed atoms, and then I added electrons, and now I magically expand the Earth. You believe that? Yes, it's great bullshit. It is total. <laughs> scientific bullshit
2: well I, you know what i'm thinking about though is is not the not the material at a molecular level i'm thinking of it as like uh like that like expanding foam like when when lava comes out when magma comes
0: you gotta out. stop that you gotta stop that it, it's not even <laughs> it, it not doesn't even happen unless you can add a force yeah tell me the force you're going to add to make it
2: well I,
1: i'm you just
0: got thermal force at the beginning that's what's what, that's the beginning for us, and that gets less, according to scientists, over time. It's not true, but it gets less. So, yeah. what's going to possibly do that? Yeah. Nothing. There's nothing. It's silly, silly science. Yeah. Look, I don't mind talking silly science. You want to talk silly science? We'll talk. We'll talk <laughs> science fiction. I'll, I'll, I, I'll do it. There's a hollow Earth. Yeah. You ever hear of the hollow Earth theory? Yeah. We got darrows and titans living down there and all these strange creatures yeah. and we've got prehistoric animals that <laughs> fled down there during ancient times and we've got neanderthals down there who ran away from the homo sapiens and they now live <laughs> under the earth well you know that's fine I, I, I just did a thing called Batman Odyssey and I go through the hollow earth theory uh, like, uh, like a uh, clod hopper with boots on and it was fun <laughs> But it's fantasy and bullshit. total bullshit.
2: So the other the other side of it is then that the that the Earth is growing, not expanding. And to have the the, Earth is growing, and to have well,
0: that's that you have to tie that in with the universe because here's another thing, Hmm. and this is the this is the thing that annoys me more than anything. You can go to my fantasy side, and I'll just make up bullshit. I don't want scientists to go to their fantasy side and make up bullshit. Oh, I see canals on Mars. Let's imagine canals on Mars, and that's where the—no, it's not canals on Mars, you stupid idiot. There are no fucking canals on Mars, you jackass. Oh, but we're looking—oh, we're looking for standing water on Mars. You're looking—all the geologists that are in the Mars program are looking for standing water on Mars. Excuse me, if you had a glass of water on Mars and you held it for two minutes, every molecule in that glass of water would fly off into space. Right. You can't have standing water on Mars. It's scientifically impossible. Mm -hmm. Although nothing is scientifically impossible, Mr. Adams. Oh, yes, there is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there is. I can't jump up in the air and stay there. There's lots of things that are impossible. Standing water on Mars, impossible. But all the geologists at NASA are looking for standing water on Mars. Do you fucking believe that? They're <laughs> I... looking for stand- – they're never going to find it. There never was standing water on Mars. Yeah, I don't believe it, they're looking for that. It's an impossibility. If it was there, it'd evaporate. Stupid, stupid science. But what's happened is that scientists are involved with – because people you know, will believe scientists and they won't question them, they're involved in fantasy theoretical bullshit. And they'll do it because they go, well, you know, we sort of, you know, we scientists, we have to take things seriously. But, you know, uh, there's many things in science that once we explain them, they seem like fantasy and magic, but they're really not. They're really science. Bullshit. <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. It is That is so, that's such crap. Science is science is science. And it's based on facts and it's based on Things that you learn, that you discover, and there and there they have. There has to be an explanation. Scientists, it's scientists who gave us the Big Bang. Right. A Big Bang. We had a football that that's made of massively compressed shit and exploded. <laughs> I'm sorry. Please, 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 please. You know, leave me alone. Okay, okay. We finally we're over that, Neil. Okay, we're now we don't believe that. Now we just feel that the time-space continuum is expanding. I'm sorry? Time-space? What is time-space? Can you explain that to me? Oh, well, maybe you don't understand it, but there's not that many people that understand Einstein. Well, guess what? I read fucking Einstein, and I understand it. (laughs) Hello? (laughs) Jesus Christ. You guys, you know, the the universe, we, we agree, all the scientists on Earth go, Okay, there's no such thing as expansion. Things can't expand. You stop a physicist somewhere and you say, can things expand? Is there such a thing? He'll say, no, of course not. That's ridiculous. Then you say, then can the universe expand? And he'll go, oh, oh I have something else to do here. Yeah. well, Because they say, they say the universe is expanding.
1: I wanted to bring it's that like, up
0: too. No. Huh?
1: I wanted to bring that up too because I've heard that well, time and time again that the universe I know, is expanding.
0: It's, it's in, it's insane. Yes. and you know why they do they did that because observation. Exactly. Okay, observation. We look at the universe and it's all moving outward. Right. And so and so we're going to make the choice of the possible choices. We're not going to say it's growing. We don't want to do that because that's too fucking weird. We'll say. <laughs> It's expanding. How about that? Who's going to say no? Okay, it's expanding because that's what it looks like. It looks like it's expanding. Excuse me? What thing looks like the universe expanding? A balloon? Exactly.
3: An explosion?
0: Oh, an explosion? Excuse me, you, didn't you give up? Expo- oh, yeah, we gave up explosion. I'm sorry, I forgot that. <laughs> but it, it's, it, you know, time, space is expanding. The nature of time and space is to expand. No, it's not. It's the nature of time and space to say the way it is, you idiots. Prove it's expanding. No, we can't. We can prove it by looking at the universe. No, you know what, you idiots. The you uh, mankind, your brothers, okay, believe for fifteen hundred years that the sun went around the earth. Exactly. And if you question them, they would say, "Young man, you are going to stay with us. We are going to camp out on the hills of Athens." And we are going to watch the progression of the skies. We are going to watch all the stars progress across the skies. We're going to watch the moon progress across the sky. And we're going to watch the sun progress across the sky all the same. All the same. Right. That's how we know, stupid, that the <laughs> sun goes around the earth. Because, you fucking idiot.
1: Because we were well, the Well, you know of the
0: what? <laughs> Yeah, we're the center of the universe. Not because we're the center of the universe, but because we looked up in the sky and we watched the progression of the stars, the progression of the moon, and the progression of the sun, and they were exactly the same. And so we said, well, they must be all go around the Earth, and we're in the middle. That wasn't illogical. By observation, right. it made all the sense in the world until we finally got a telescope, a toy. That kids had for looking at, into neighbors' windows, and some guy said, why don't I just make a better one than this, and I'll look up in, at, the, at the sun and the moon and all this stuff. Oh, shit. And he discovered stuff that he wasn't supposed to discover. Well, that's what happens with mankind. They look at something and they say, well, I'm looking at this, and therefore uh, it must be this because it, that's my – that's because I decide this, Okay. You decide that the sun goes around the earth and the universe is expanding. No, the sun doesn't go around the earth. Earth, the universe is not expanding, and the continents weren't on one side of the earth. And the rest of the earth, two thirds of the earth, was water, two and a half miles deep, for the, all the time that Earth existed, or up until seven hundred million years ago. It's not true. It's total fucking bullshit. Right. It's like it, you cannot just say that because you make these observations. You must prove it scientifically. Science is a very uh, angry uh, master. He will humiliate uh, ten generations of idiots <laughs> just to show that he's right. To trust what science does. You guys are all your lifetime. Thank God you live and die and you're too... You know, you're dead now, and you don't have to know how (laughs) stupid you were by saying the sun goes around the earth. And that's what's going to happen to these pangeists In the future, people are going to go, are you kidding? You really think people really believe that all the continents were gathered together on one side of the earth? Did they believe they were pushed there by giants? I mean, exactly what did they think? You know, that they were, that they, and they broke apart and then they broke in half and one side moved up to the top of the earth and one side moved down to the bottom of the earth and then they moved apart from each other and then part, then they started to come back together and they came back together exactly in the same place that they moved apart. No (laughs) shit, they believed that? How stupid were they? North America and South America came back together. In Central America on a stretch of land that's like five miles wide and they those two thing little areas after moving two thousand miles away came back together and exactly hit each other. Holy shit. Suez Canal by the Mediterranean. All that land moved apart two thousand miles and then it came back together. It fit perfectly. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's it's this is this is total fantasy. Right. These people are indulging in the the assumption of the ignorance of the common man. Well, they it, say, well, we got lab coats and we tell them this, and they believe it.
2: Neil, it. you bring you bring up something that that I noticed in a previous interview that you did, and I'm not going to name it, but I am going to say that, and it, it was an email exchange, and and you had said that Einstein and and Darwin had had they presented their hypothesis or their theories and then it was it was up to the scientific community to validate those
0: and sure. then it's also exactly. up to
2: the scientific community to validate what you're saying and i believe that wholeheartedly i mean to
0: a certain, to a certain to a certain extent personally yeah. i believe it's been validated already because then, the, the discoveries of mankind have found these things to be to be self-evident they are just not admitting to it yeah and there's and i have to and i have to to make my case i have to show how not how obvious my case is that my case is so clear that a child could understand it it has to be so incredibly clear and of course that's what i'm working on but all the evidences are fantastic yeah Scientists, scientists will tell you we've had mountains on the earth for billions of years. No, we've only had mountains on the earth that started to go up in the mountain ranges beginning 60 million years ago. Really? And all the geologists on earth will tell you that's not true. But it is true because they have no evidence otherwise. Right. They have no evidence. And you, if you went to a geologist and you said, excuse me, uh, you guys say that we've had mountains on earth for billions of years. What's your proof? What's your evidence? Well, the mountains wear away, and they wear away uh, to the flat land. You go, I'm sorry, that's your proof? (laughs) Mountains wear away. The the wind and the rain sand them down to nothing, and so they're not there anymore. So all we have are new mountains. Yes. You are fucking kidding me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Please. Well, we see under the earth there's folded land. Oh, so you don't have a theory for the folded land. What you're saying is that's your proof that there once were mountains there. We'll call them make-believe mountains. There were once mountains there because you see the folded land. What if, as the earth grew, the land naturally folded because, just like it's folding now to make mountains, it made hills and other things like that, you know, uprises and things? What, What if that's possible? What are you talking about? You're saying the earth grew? See, the problem with this whole thing is you have a massive theory, okay, that undermines everything you learn in science, and yet nothing that you have in science can prove that it's not true. Yeah. It's all and, – and what they have – and this is the thing that drives me crazy. It's very, very hard to make the argument. What they have are theories. All I present is facts. So I say, okay – We have no mountains that are older than 60 million years old. And they say, yes, but there were mountains. And you go, no, my facts are (laughs) (laughs) there are no mountains on the earth that are older than 60 million years old. That's a fact. Okay. Well, we say there were mountains and they got sanded down. Okay. So yours is a theory. Mine is a fact. Why don't we, golly guys, really, Uh, you know, you don't know what to say. Uh, if, If I'm talking facts and you're talking theories, then you believe your theories and I just put the facts on the table. And And the problem is that once you start accumulating the facts and, and you open your eyes and you look at the mountain of theories that are all created to support these theories and more and more created to support these theories and more and more created to support these theories, after a while it becomes such a mountain of stuff that you, poor little Neil, or whoever you are, that may have you know a bushel of facts that can't be contradicted, really doesn't matter because of the mountains of all this other material that is all theoretical, all theoretical. Mm-hmm. For example, okay, um, uh, scientists say that we've had oceans on the Earth since early Earth. I, that we've had oceans since early Earth. Okay. Mm-hmm which, of course, there is no evidence of. There, It's just theory. But I, And then I say, okay, according to you, science, there are no fish fossils in the deep oceans older than 60 million years old, 70 million years old, 60, 70, mostly 70. So you find some 70. They say, well, uh, it's hard to make fossils in the ocean. No. <laughs> you see, Mr. Come over here, Mr. Fossilized Guy, Fossil Guy. Isn't this how we make fossils? The dead fish fall to the bottom of the sea, and sediments cover them, and more sediments cover them, and when you get enough sediments to cover them, they become fossils, right? Yes, yes that's what happens. That's the process. Uh, okay, now we go back to the science. But, okay, this guy just said this. Now, isn't that true? Well, you know, but still, you know, there are conditions. No, please, you've got two-thirds of the ocean, of the Earth, is ocean. You got if there are fossils there, you can find them. Okay, you can't find them because they don't exist. Well, we have lots of fossils. No, you don't. You have fossils that you found on the land. In 180 million year, years ago, two thirds of the land was covered by shallow seas, and we can't use the word shallow seas because they were up to 800 feet deep. Mm-hmm. Two-thirds of the North American continent was covered by shallow seas. So you can go out west, you can go to Utah, and you can find fossils there that are 180, 200, or 250 million years old. Okay, In fact, that's where we find our fossils, all of our fish fossils that we have in our museums. Even though they'll have little cards on them that say, these creatures swum in the seas— they didn't swim in the seas they swam in the shallow seas right. because that's where you found the fossils mm-hmm. you are projecting the idea that they also swim in the oceans but there were no oceans to swim in because if there were oceans there would be fossils on the bottoms and there aren't Which... now that's a clincher that in in sherlock holmesian logic that's a clincher that's clearly there were no oceans there were no depots. All there were were shallow seas on the land. Yeah, that's it. That's a fact. Bingo. And if you listen to these guys try to squirm out of this, they can't. They can't do it. And they finally give up and say, "Well, they say other theoretical shit that they learned in school." <laughs> and you can't trap them.
3: See, that was
1: I, another point. I I was how,
0: well, well, how do you? How does one answer something like that?
1: It, yeah. See, they they would be completely dumbfounded. This is what this is what angers me though is that we we continually like shove this you know quote unquote fact into our kids' minds and our in our grandchildren's oh, yeah. minds and this is sure it's sure. kind of sickening Of course.
0: <laughs> yeah the sun goes sun goes around the earth kid come here come up and let let's let's stay up tonight and watch it
2: will you bring up it's the- like you bring up the shallow seas, and that's yep. one of that's one of the contentions on the video because in order to present your evidence, you have to delete the water. You have to you can't show the water because if you did, it would cover up the land. So you. That's right. You, and so and so, what you get is you get a thousand people commenting on, "Well, where's all the water and where did it come from? The water's right.
0: always where been there." Where did the there. water come from? <laughs> sure. <laughs> well, this is but the thing to remember is this. Okay. If you have a smaller Earth, and you did, and it was one fifth the size of the Earth today, 180 to 200 million years ago, which is a little shocking to think. Okay, and gravity was 20 percent of what it is today. It makes it possible for gigantic dinosaurs to walk around like tigers and lions and and, and those animals. Otherwise, they couldn't walk around because we have su- we have clear physics. To show they couldn't possibly exist and they couldn't be walking around, we know that because we have we have a rule that um, uh, it's I'm trying to think of the name of the rule it's it's a rule about if you can't make something longer and wider with uh, longer and higher without making it wider and if you make it wider you'll you're increased you're increasing its size by a multiple of you know it's a square it's a square. You are not doubling it, you're squaring it. Right.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: your your sau- sauropod is like sixty tons. Well sixty tons is the size of a blue whale. <laughs> yeah. Blue whale on legs walking around. Can't can't happen. I got myself lost here. I don't know why I went I went off into the dinosaur thing. Where was I? <laughs> well help
2: me get it, back. It was it was the uh you know, we say that, that all life that's on land wants lived in the ocean it was we were all ocean d- dwelling creatures doesn't that make sense with with the expanding earth as as the as the, well, okay, the water okay. now, now the... i know
0: now i know where i, I was going okay yeah. let me get back to it if you have to understand that you get all these letters out where did the water come from where did the water come from and then you get other people throwing in notes oh it came from meteorites and jesus really yeah. meteorites <laughs> please folks uh it came from ice balls flying in from space no please Okay, it came, it's very, very simple. If you have a process at the center of the Earth, okay, the process begins with pair production. And if you can keep the pairs apart with a magnetic field, with, just like in the Van Allen belt that's around the Earth, if you can keep the pairs apart, is there a process that allows the pairs to evolve into atoms that you can make the atoms in the same proportion of atoms that atoms exist in the universe, a given proportion for uh, uh, hydrogen, oxygen, uh, all all the different materials. Well, logically, you have to. There has to be like a mix master at the core of the Earth, the outer core of the Earth, that makes atoms in general proportion to the way atoms are on the Earth. So you have, they all have a proportion. You're not going to get that much gold. You know, you're know. you not going to get that much um, uh, magnesium, but you're going to get a lot of silicate. Now, it, logically, okay, this has to happen. You can't just make, you know, iron, or you can't just make uh, carbon. Uh, you must make all the atoms in a general proportion. So you have to have, uh, like, a, um, uh, layers of a ball, okay, where electromagnetic fields are going around, and, and you're making this kind of atom here and this, kind of atom and this kind of atom there and this kind of atom there and this kind of atom there, and you're making all these atoms, and then the the atoms, once they're completed, fall into the mantle or fall upward into the mantle, and the gases make their way through the mantle and come to the outer surface of the Earth and through fissures, and and they come out superheated because the Earth is very, very hot and they that these gases can melt rock. And that's why you get volcanoes that are really gas, and then they spew other stuff with them. These gases are superheated, and they really just want to get to a place up high or outside, outside where they can cool off and stop going outward, or else they'll go out into space, which, by the way, some of them do. Mm-hmm. So if all these atoms are made along the um, uh what's what's the thing for the, what's the uh, scale for uh, all the atoms what's it called the periodic table yes sir. okay all the atoms have to be made along the periodic table okay in proper proportions in this mix master that happens at the outer core of the earth okay because that has to happen in every moon planet, and sun so there must the same mix master has to exist in all this stuff and it must be based on an uh, electromagnetic field or field that progresses outward, okay, all these particles or these atoms are made, and the gases make their way out, okay, and among those gases are oxygen and hydrogen. So as the Earth grows, with the addition of all these atoms all along the periodic table are also included oxygen and hydrogen. So where do we get the water? From these gases, it's very simple. I mean, uh, there's. It's there's, this is not a shock. Obviously, mm-hmm. the 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 process by which you make these atoms from basic particles has to be a progressive particles that makes all the atoms on, uh, in proper proportion in the periodic table. So, I mean, it seems very organized, but it must be very organized. That's why. The, the logic that there is that the outer core is a plasma through which the Earth's electromagnetic field flows, which it has to because the electromagnetic field that flows around the earth goes into the poles through the earth, and there must be a pathway that it follows inside of the earth and it and that pathway has to be a, a liquid or a dense plasma has to be a liquid or dense plasma. That's why scientists are saying it's molten iron, that the outer core is molten iron. I don't think so because its temperature is 6,000 degrees to 9,000 degrees Fahrenheit, and at 5,000 degrees you can vaporize steel. Right. Mm-hmm. So it is much more likely a plasma through which an electromagnetic field would flow perfectly, perfectly, okay, it would flow through iron, molten iron pretty well, too, but through a plasma, even better. So if you have that, that, that's a plasma, which it really has to be, then the electromagnetic field can do the process of separating the atoms into greater and greater, denser and denser, not denser and denser, sorry, I want to remove that word because I don't want to tempt you. Uh, (laughs) uh, Atoms with greater numbers of electrons, protons, and neutrons that that make up our atoms, and it must be progressive. And then, once they get their electrons, which is the last thing that they get, uh, they fall off this, or they fall out of the plasma into the mantle, and they become part of the mantle. They go up into the cracks of the expanding Earth, and the gases make their way through the mantle to erupt at the either through in volcanoes or at the cracks uh, that go or circumnavigate the Earth. Uh, of these fissures, of these spreading uh, cracks, rifts that go around the Earth, and they leave the Earth. One of the things that those gases do, by the way, is replenish the atmosphere that is blown off by the solar wind. Another thing that the scientists can't explain, how do we replenish the atmosphere that gets blown off by the solar wind? It's It's not just the solar wind going around the electromagnetic field. It grabs tons and tons of uh, hydrogen and oxygen atoms and pulls them off the Earth and flies them off into space. So they have to be replaced. So they have to be replaced by new atoms that are being made inside the Earth. So if this process didn't take place, eventually the solar wind would wipe away all the atmosphere of the Earth over time. It might take uh, uh, 10 million years, but it would wipe it all away. So our atmosphere is constantly being replenished by the gases that come from inside the earth. So if there weren't new gases being made, how would that happen? Yeah. All the all the answers to all the scientific questions that we have that are mysterious to us are answered by this theory properly and logically. And the difficulty is that you need to be you need to know all the areas has some knowledge in all the areas of science to put all the pieces together. It's like a giant puzzle, and the different disciplines only have a section of the puzzle, so they make up these theories about why they exist. What I'm trying to do is take the facts. Here's a fact. The uh, solar wind blows gases off this the surface of the Earth. You can look it up. They'll show you. They'll give you the tonnage, and they don't tell you how it gets replaced.
2: <laughs> and you well you' And you're saying that it, it's hard to. I'm not it's, it's hard yeah, to unify.
0: Say,
2: unify yeah, the scientific unify these, schools. These specialties,
0: because that's because yeah. they're all you know ganged up doing their specialties. Yeah, like a that's geologist. Like to, science is not. Science is not practiced the way it used to be practiced as science. It's now segmented into all these pieces,
2: like the medical so profession.
0: It, it, well, yes, yeah. this is all. This is also true. This is also true. You know, I, uh, and it's one of the reasons why I you know, I tell my family that you are that they're the enemy and you're paying them to do a job. But you got to watch them because they don't know their ass from their elbows. They just know their specialty. Yeah. And you've got to get the right guy to do the right thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I've had I I see people killed every day. You hear stories all the time about doctors that stepped outside their specialty or did, didn't. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Rivers, Joan Rivers. Yes. Uh, get killed by some guy who who wasn't a sufficient enough specialist to know that you don't do that experiment in a fucking uh, uh, office. I think they that's save a, their ass. A by, yeah,
1: they save their asses by calling it a practice, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, it's hard to get a geologist to talk to a physicist because then the physicist wants to counteract what the geologist is saying with physics. Well,
0: right? I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. It's a very simple example. If you go to a geologist and you say, a matter can be made, he'll say, no, it can't. Matter cannot be made. Matter is immutable. It can't be made. You go to a physicist and you say, excuse me, sir, can matter be made? You say, well, explain your terms. Well, can it, are, are there any examples of in which matter can be made, whether something happens to it later or not? He will say, well, of course, there's pair production where, you know, a high-energy photon strikes a, something, and its momentum is changed, and out of which you get an electron and a positron, so matter is made there. But they do actually annihilate one another or no, annihilate other particles, and so it really counts out to zero. Say, so, hold on a second. I'm not asking you to analyze the fucking thing for me. I'm asking you whether or not matter can be made. Yes. Well. Okay. Strictly, the matter can be made. That and and are you telling me that is the only process by which matter can be made? Well, yeah. Well, there's no other process that we know of. Right. Excuse me. I just want to, Mr. Geologist, hold still. Can you hear what he says? He says matter can be made. Oh, really? Well, that's not my specialty, so I don't know anything about that. <laughs> Fuck you, you asshole. Yeah. You know, pick up a fucking book. You know. That's, that's and it. so then you go back to you go back to the physicists, and you say, "Okay, so you're saying uh, matter matter can be made? Yes, but it's almost immediately destroyed. How do you know? Well, uh, it must be. I mean, it's we know we see experiments, lab experiments there." Uh, Electrons will always destroy. Well, what happens if you put them in a, a, a gravity field like uh, the Van Allen belt that goes around the Earth? Well, they might survive a little longer. Excuse me, they might survive a little longer. <laughs> so now you're telling me that this matter that you say you say can be created, but and immediately destroys itself, can actually be made to last a little longer. Aren't they making? Some of this, these hydrogen, and uh, these uh, electrons and positrons survive longer in colliders? Uh, why, yes, uh, we're able to make uh, positrons exist for hours at a time. Right. Really? What if nature makes them exist even longer? Well, we don't know anything. Yes, you do, because <laughs> you have a collider here which mimics, oh, let's say, the Van Allen belt. Which mimics the core, outer core of the Earth, isn't that true? Well, I suppose in the strictest sense, but it is chaotic down there. It, I'm sorry. <laughs> excuse me. Here, you're saying it's chaotic because it's chaotic. It's not like organized, like a collider. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, my understanding of a collider is that it is a big fucking circle. And it's got magnets all around it. Exactly. (laughs) It's got a magnetic field that you've manufactured. The earth happened to have manufactured the magnetic field of the earth. You know that, right? And it's even and consistent and eternal as far as the earth is concerned, right? Well, I guess that that may be true. You know, (laughs) you cannot have these conversations with these guys. They are so theoretically bound to the things that they believe in that they believe in what if you were and think about this 60 years 60 years ago or 50 years ago if Carey had won the battle okay and uh, everybody discovered subduction and subduction was considered to be minor and not important but Carey uh, was right and he proved that the earth grew okay he to prove the earth expanded then somebody would have to come along right and show that it couldn't have expanded it would have grown Now, all the physicists in the world would be given a platter of Earth growing, and they would now have to begin their science with that fact. Everything in science would change. Everything in science would change with the physicists accepting acceptance of a growing Earth. There's lots of people that argue with me, Neil, why don't you just do these wonderful graphics that you do? Because you're this wonderful artist and you can do these wonderful graphics and you can show that the earth grows and all the rest of that and lead the science to the scientists. Excuse me. There are no scientists out there. <laughs> There's specialists. You guys don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, why do you think you know why do you think you know it and they don't know it? Well, because I'm not a specialist. In fact, I may be one of the only non-specialists on the whole fucking earth right? because I don't specialize. All I do is I track everything down and find the facts, and I take all the theories and sweep them off the table. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, the table gets clear and obvious, and then you can look at it logically, and then you can start listing the facts. And when you start listing the facts, the picture becomes incredibly clear incredibly clear.
2: Don't you think that you're able to to, to bring all of these different uh hypotheses and theories together because you're not bound by peer pressure? I mean, you don't
0: have I, I have I have I have lots of things, lots of reasons that I I'm able to do this. I don't have I don't have to worry about tenure, I don't have to right. worry about losing my job, my family, yeah. my friends. My friends won't even talk to me about science. They if I start to talk to them about science, I can clear the room in 2 minutes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there's no agenda with you, you know?
0: Oh shit, Neil's talking about science again. Yeah. Get out of here.
2: Uh, Neil, do you think that uh do you think that the moon and 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 Mars are still expanding? Or do you think, they think they've already not do You think that they're still growing or do you think they've already grown?
0: in them and blow them up. <laughs> they're like those little plastic bubbles you used yeah. to do when you were a kid. Blow them. <laughs> Let's blow up the moon. Yeah. Are they they're all always growing? Uh-huh. All, as long as there's a magnetic field, they're growing. There's no stop. This is not an event. This is a process. Mm-hmm. Every part of the universe is doing this. We're converting the universe into of what we think is non-matter, but is simply pre-matter, into matter. And all we need to do it is energy. So where there's energy, okay, mm-hmm. this process goes on. Does and it, there's energy everywhere.
2: Does it require a molten core?
0: No. No. It doesn't re- require a molten core. No, because one of the things, here's a, and, and you know, I believe me, I have been through these these processes and discussions with myself, and I've tried to uh, uncover the, the truth about, uh, of these things. Um, you have a thing called a geode. You know what a geode is?
2: Yes. Very beautiful.
0: Okay. They're very beautiful, and they look like meteorites. Mm-hmm and you dig them out of the Earth?
2: Yeah, eggs with crystals right. in them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Right. They grow. In effect, a meteorite is an example of the Earth or the moon. Okay? There's nothing molten in there. What there is is uh, the ability of, of uh, the core, okay, of uh, the outer core of, of a geode to allow atoms through. Okay? So atoms and liquid or just gaseous form flow through the geode okay yeah. they flow through the outer crust which is porous okay down the crystal lattices of the of the uh, crystals inside and and the raw if the wrong ones get in there they essentially float out when the right ones get in there they attach themselves to the crystals which is, Exactly what happens in a cave. If you have a cavern, you know, and you have crystals growing, when people say crystals are growing in a cave, Mm -hmm. how do they grow? Well, what happens is the molecules of this material flow through the air, okay? They flow through the air, and they find a crystal, they land on a crystal, and they attract the molecular structure of the crystal to their individual molecular structure because they're molecules, and they become part of the crystal, and the crystal eventually grows because more and more get added to it. It's a very simple process, okay? It's molecules floating through the air. So these same molecules float through the earth because these molecules are heavier than than the air. Right. So they float through the earth like uh, like water flows through the ground, okay? They're part of that process. They come across a geode, okay? They go through the... Uh, Um, porous surface, make their way inward, down the crystal lattices to the inside, and they attach themselves to crystals that have essentially nearly straight sides. Now, the bad thing about a straight side is it wants to stay straight. Okay? So as a crystal grows, the area that's on the inside toward the core, okay, is smaller than the body geode. In other words, it's like the inside of a geode is small, whereas the outside of the geode is big, right? Mm -hmm. So since these crystals are straight-sided, even though they may have uh, uh, angular points, they're straight-sided, then as as molecules are added, they push against the crystal next to it, pushing outward, okay? And they push outward, and eventually the Pushing pushes outward toward the outer uh, circle or the outer ball, the outer edge of the geode because it can no longer push inward because all the little uh, crystals are forced against one another and they and they go outward. They're straight-sided. If they were angled, they wouldn't do that, but they're straight-sided, they push outward. And the little uh, molecules that are not exactly the right crystal and they, they get forced outward, and they become part of this uh, uh, mass of material that forms the outside of the geode, which is like uh, the surface of the moon. And you can even see the circular spreads on the outside of it, like like uh, almost like craters pushing outward, because this is diffuse material, not pure the pure crystals that grow inside or get added to inside. So you could say the same thing of a meteorite. Okay, you got a meteorite floating in space let's say you have an iron meteorite okay iron uh, meteorites have uh, distinct things three distinct things one they have a skin okay you can look this up all meteorites have a skin like a geode right, right. and you people go really a meteorite has a skin yes a meteorite has a skin of diffuse material it also has the body of the of the meteorite which is like the mantle of the earth then at the center or near the center, there are hollow spaces, little hollow spaces, sometimes one, sometimes several. Okay. So let's say an iron uh, atom uh, comes in contact with an iron meteorite. Well, the iron atom is not going to attach itself to the outer diffuse skin because that's all shit. Right, okay. It's all right. lots of different atoms. It's going to make its way, and then it's going to go down the crystal lattices of the iron, because iron is a crystal. It's a square crystal. And, and you can see, if you go on the Internet, you have uh, what they do is they acid etch meteorites yeah. so that you can see the crystalline structure of them. They go down the crystalline lattices until they find the hollow space. And at the hollow space, that's where they attach to the inside or some portion of the crystal of that iron meteorite, and it grows. So we begin the process of growth through accretion and uh, uh, crystalline uh, crystalline growth. Until something gets big enough for its core to heat up, you won't get that energy growth. You'll get simple crystalline growth. Right, right. But one will lead to the other. So there, even meteorites... Even though it's happening over billions of years, meteorites grow tremendously slowly, just like geodes. Geodes take you know uh, uh, ten million years to grow. Uh, once the process becomes robust and the core heats up, then energy is created. Energy will create pairs. Pairs will become matter, and the and the speed of the growth will become greater. The Earth, for example, has accelerated in its growth. Uh, I have a graph, and uh, I made a graph, and this guy uh, there's another guy who who does this who has this series of lectures on the internet and and we both made a graph based on the growth of the earth, and both our graphs match exactly it. You know you get to three hundred million years from now and you get about the size of Saturn, maybe somewhere between three and four hundred million years. Mm-hmm. The Earth will become the size of Saturn but it's an exponential growth. It does seem to be a little aggressive and 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 grow awfully fast, but you got to imagine that, you know, the more the bigger something becomes, the more energy is created, the more matter is created, the more material is being created, uh the faster it grows. Yeah. And, and the, the universe seems to be like that too. The universe is growing exponentially. That is faster with time.
2: Yeah. And in this this uh the the pair production and, and the stuff you covered a few minutes ago, that also explains why there was uh, the, the gravitational force of the Earth was less back then than it is now because there was less material.
0: Sure. Right? So was the sun less? Yeah. And it also explains why the years are longer. Years are longer because the because the whole the whole system is growing. There's another part of this this theory that is not speculation but is fact based on fact but part of it is you could consider speculation the universe and all the solar systems within it are based on electromagnetic fields okay the all the planets ride electromagnetic lines from the sun that's why people will say and i'm fascinated by the way science does this people will say um uh, what is it? Uh, not Uranus, but it, it's Uranus. Uranus is out of place. <laughs> Say it's out of place, and you go, "Wait, wait a second. What's in place?" Mm-hmm. Well, each of the planets ma- uh, go outward from the sun in a mathematical progression, just like electromagnetic lines. So it's it's that not so much that it's centrifugal force that's driving the planet out and the sun that's pulling them back in, but they're being regulated in a mild way, the way you would, you know, somebody who comes by you on a bicycle and you could just hit him with your hand and he'll go over because he's, because you're just adding just a little bit of force to, you know, to throw him off and that makes him, you know, turn his, turn his wheel. Uh, The electromagnetic fields from the sun. And it's like, well, let's pretend that the sun doesn't have electromagnetic field lines excuse me, I'm sorry, Is an electromagnetic field have electromagnetic field lines? Yeah. Well, then how can the sun not have electromagnetic? I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't understand. Please, you know. So if it has electromagnetic field lines, don't you think it makes sense that the planets would be on those electromagnetic lines? And if electromagnetic lines work the way they do with your little magnet when you were in school and you – you put a piece of paper on your magnet and you drop iron filings on it and it right. made circles along the electromagnetic lines. It didn't just make electromag- make circles on the electromagnetic lines. It moved away from the space between the lines. Do you understand that? Mm-hmm. That it moved to the lines but away from the space between the lines, which means that the electromagnetic field of the sun attracts planets to ride the electromagnetic field lines around the sun, and they push planetary material away from the space between the planets. Wow. So there's two forces going on, one that attracts them to the line and one that pushes them away from the space in between the lines.
2: And that's and that's how we have stable
0: orbits. That's how we have stable orbits. And then you have people asking me, Neil, if, you're, if what, what you're saying is true, why is the moon moving away from the Earth? Excuse me. You're, you're, you're asking me why the moon is moving away from the Earth when you should be saying, how the fuck is the moon moving away from the Earth? Because it can't. I mean, if you study Newton, it's impossible. The, right. the orbit of the moon had to have stabilized, and it can't move away from the Earth according to Newton. And now you're asking me to explain why it's moving away from the Earth. It's moving away from the Earth because your science is breaking down, you dumb fuck. You can, <laughs> the moon can't be moving away from the Earth. I will be glad to explain why it's moving away from the Earth. But first, you explain to me how it's possible for the moon to be moving away from the Earth. Because according to your science, your Newtonian science, that's impossible. Right. I'll tell you why. It's doing it because... The Earth and the system is growing; therefore, the electromagnetic lines are moving outward, and the Moon on Earth's electromagnetic line is therefore moving outward. And why aren't they? Why isn't it happening to all the other moons? It's happening to all the other moons. We just can't fucking measure them yet. <laughs> you understand? <laughs> but we will, and they will do the same thing.
2: Are we moving? Away? Are you
0: predicting? Are you predicting that, Neil? I don't have to predict it. <laughs> yeah. It's fucking science. <laughs> it are, has to work. Are, are we moving away That's from a, the sun then? or are we? Of course we are. Yeah. Of course we are. That's why the year is longer. Yeah. Yeah. If the year wouldn't be longer if we weren't moving away from the sun, thank God we are. We'd be cooked by now. Yeah. <laughs> you have to remember that the sun is also growing. Okay, a hun- 200 million years ago, the sun's heat was not strong enough to keep the earth hot enough for life to exist here. What was heating the earth was the earth itself. Yeah. Okay. Don't, okay. This is important to understand. Okay. Okay. We're just going to go to some facts here. Okay. Mm -hmm. The continental plate. Okay. Is about 40 miles thick. Mm -hmm. The oceanic plate. Okay. Is two miles thick. Now, why is the oceanic plate two miles thick and the continental plate? Forty miles thick. And was that always the case? No. Two miles thick is correct. And since the oceanic plate is two-thirds of the Earth, most of the Earth has a coating that's only two miles thick. The only places that don't have it are the continental plates. Okay, they're 40 miles thick. Okay, so how did that happen? Well, 180 million years ago, or thereabouts, The continental plates were only two miles thick. No, you can't argue that, Neil. You'd have to. That's ridiculous. No, it's not ridiculous because the oceanic plates are now only two miles thick. So logically, the proper thickness of the outer coating of the Earth should be two miles. Well, why is it a two miles on the continental plates? Well, it's not two miles on the continental plates because the continental plates broke apart. Okay? Okay. And the rifts appeared in the deep oceans. And the rifts are higher than two miles. So what happens is the heated gases move from under the continents toward the rifts. Well, how do you know that that's true? Well, I know it's true because geology goes out and fucking measured this, measures this shit and says that only 4% of the asthenosphere is molten and liquid, and most of that is under the rifts. Thank you, geology, for doing that. (laughs) And the reason it's not under the continental plate is because, let me see, the continental plates are 40 miles thick. It can't be there. It has to move to a higher place. Where is that higher place? It's at the rifts. So what happens is the continental plates, okay, get thicker and thicker. The ocean gets covered with water, okay, and the continental plates have ice ages. Welcome, (laughs) ice ages. Did we ever have ice ages during the ages of the dinosaurs? No. Did we have ice ages before that? Likely no. Why do we have ice ages now? Because the continental plate is 40 miles thick. (laughs) Crazy. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) So when the earth was smaller, the whole crust of the earth was only two miles thick. Well, if it's two miles thick, we don't understand that very much because most of our two-mile-thick shit is now under the ocean, but that's what's heating the ocean, okay? The two-mile-thick crust of the Earth was heating the Earth from the North Pole to the South Pole. The Earth was heating the Earth. The sun was providing very little heat. Mm -hmm. So the Earth was subtropical from pole to pole something that would be impossible now because the sun doesn't shine on the North Pole when it shines on the South Pole. Right. And-, and back then, it would do exactly the same thing, and you'd have a frozen North Pole and a frozen South Pole, but you didn't. It was subtropical from pole to pole. That means that the Earth was heated by the Earth, not mm-hmm. the sun. That's amazing. We only started to get seasons later on. How do we know we only got seasons later on? Well, first of all, we have measurements, but second of all, we didn't have seasonal plants back in those days. Plants bloomed year round. Only when we get, began to have seasons did we have seasonal plants. All of this fits together like a puzzle, but you have to know about things. Mm-hmm, right. You have to know about seasonal plants. You have to know about you have to know all of this stuff, and when you know it all. And you gather all the facts together. All the facts match one picture. And if I can quote Sherlock Holmes, when you eliminate all the possibilities except one, no matter how illogical it may seem, it's got to be it.
3: Yeah,
1: sure. It's only illogical because the scientific community is telling us
0: it's illogical. Well, yeah, because they're off on this tangent. Right. That makes no sense. Sam Carey was right, okay? He was absolutely right except he used the wrong word. He didn't and he didn't have the process. If he had the process, then then more and more people would believe it, more and more people would accept it and he wouldn't have been ignored. Now, unfortunately for him, they ignored him and then he died. He only died about I don't know 5 or 6 years ago. And it's too bad that I'm doing this work now and I'm too damn slow at it. But I am going to catch up to it, and I'm going to make a national hero out of Sam Carey, I'm telling you, because he's probably the greatest scientist of his age because he put it all together and all makes sense. But now I have to show the physics side of it. But beyond that, with the maps, what I'm going to do with my next map is to show the subduction and the possible distance the subduction could possibly go. Mm Mm-hmm. Because what they say is essentially that, uh, well, they say is insane, but I get that. They say that, that somehow the Pacific Ocean ate up the essentially the the area of the Atlantic Ocean and the Indian Ocean and all this other shit, ate it up. Okay, by subducting it, which means that the center of the Pacific Plate went under the eastern edge, excuse me, the western edge of the of the. Pacific Oceanic Plate, which it couldn't possibly do, because we have discovered rather recently, uh, even though it was so clear that you can't subduct under a continent, because a continent is, let's say it together, forty miles thick. Right. Yeah, you right. can subduct under you can subduct under two miles of oceanic plate, but when you hit that continent, that's pretty much the the uh, the uh, wired haired terrier going under the hippo. Yeah. It ain't gonna go. You yeah, know, well, it ain't gonna go. Uh, yeah, because uh, because
2: for anybody who's skeptical, can you imagine the United States being swallowed up by uh, by by a piece of land under the ocean? You know, like us just going doesn't, up
0: doesn't, underneath there. Ooh, well, not no. only that, not only that because the heat it ran away from the continental plates and ran to the rifts. Even when you say it's 40 miles thick, 40 miles down, it's pretty solid. you've got some pretty solid rock down there. There's not a lot of heat that's making that stuff soft. So you can't go past Asia. So no matter how much subduction may have happened in the Western Pacific, you run into Asia. Now what what I'm doing is I'm taking the, because geology was nice enough to age the Pacific, I am drawing out all the potential area of the, the different ages of the undersea plate that would have subducted and gone under the subducted edge and by even by giving them the benefit of the doubt going as far as I can and then I'm sliding that subducted plate out from under until the edges match in age and that has to be the beginning of the subduction which turns out to be the beginning started about 60 million years ago and once that happens, I don't see what kind of argument anybody can have. Exactly. Because it's it's nailed. It's just nailed. In, uh, but they will. They'll argue. You know, they're crazy.
2: Oh, of course. Yeah. In Chapter 12, you, you discussed the extinction of the dinosaurs. <laughs> I did.
0: And, That's a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Do you, what was your explanation of it? I mean, I could ask well, you. you well, but... it's,
0: it's funny. It's funny. I, I, uh, I went to the... Uh, natural history museum, and they have this uh, really great exhibit. They have this uh, reptile-like creature that looks like a long kind of reptile that walks on four legs, and it's got out-facing and bent legs, right? And in another another exhibit that's just across from it, they have a a creature that looks very, very much like it, okay? But its legs are down-facing, and they're about nine feet long, maybe seven feet long. And they have a placard on it that says, we, we don't understand how it is that this reptile over here has these kinds of legs. And a reptile very much the same has these down-facing long legs, right? Mm-hmm. And it's right there in the museum. And, I, and, I, and I, I remember standing there in the middle of the museum going, so sure you guys don't realize that this reptile migrates and he has down, long down-facing legs because he migrates? I I, I, I don't understand. What else could be the reason? All dinosaurs, and you can, anybody who's listening, if you get, please get a bunch of people who will argue with me. All dinosaurs. (laughs) There's one of the things you can look at with dinosaurs. How how are dinosaurs different from reptiles? Well, they have this little inner ear thing that's different. No, no, no. They have long, down-facing legs. (laughs) Long, down-facing legs, whereas reptiles have... Short, out-facing legs. Even mammals have short legs, relatively. Yes. So how do, what what does that mean? Well, it meant that as we began to have seasons hmm, on an Earth that was smaller than the Earth is today and and it had a, what, 20%, only 20% of the gravity, all these dinosaurs, when the seasons changed and we began to have seasonal plants, could migrate to the other hemisphere, to the southern hemisphere, from the northern to the southern hemisphere, and eat fresh new plants. And then when the season changed again, they could migrate to the top. They could go on their long treks. One of the things scientists do, they, like, they check the trek trails of dinosaurs. Look at these gigantic treks where all these dinosaurs trek together in peace and harmony and whatever. And they say, we're so amazed by this, they, they would do that, these migrational trails. To which I would say, and where did they go? They went to Cleveland. (laughs) No, they went to, I don't know, over here. Wait a second, there were no mountains, so they could pretty much go anywhere they wanted to. How about to the other hemisphere, where the plants are fresh, and it's warmer? Wouldn't that be good?
1: That makes sense. No, they can't do
0: that, because it's too far. No, Earth was the size of Mars about in those days. And it was all continental plate. Even if the Pangea theory were correct, they could still do that. They could migrate hemispherically. And when the planet broke up and the continents broke apart, the beginning of the end was spelled for the dinosaurs. Eventually, they wouldn't be able to migrate hemispherically, and they would die. And the motherfucking little animals would come out, and they would eat their eggs if they were stupid enough to lay their eggs on the hard, frozen ground. Yeah. So, so what killed the dinosaurs was the continents breaking up, essentially. Yeah,
3: not an, n- well,
0: not an
2: impact or or
3: a, a huge impact. No, kind of it was no. It's yeah. silly. Yeah.
0: No, yeah. actually, what probably caused, by the way, incidentally, what probably caused that that all that ash did not come from a meteor hit. What it came from was uh, at sixty million years ago. Mm-hmm. Australia broke apart from Antarctica, and it must have been a massively incredible upheaval that, uh, that happened at this time. And Australia immediately got pushed north, and uh, Antarctica stayed south. And all you have to do is look at maps and see that this happened. And, and Australia, moving north, crushed the oceanic plate and spun it around up in that area to the extent that you, it looks horrible. You look at it and you go, my God, what the hell happened here? There's no other area of oceanic plate on the Earth that looks like that. Mm-hmm. And, and scientists just ignore it. they just like, well, something must have happened. Oh, no, excuse me. You've got a whole area of oceanic plate. You know, 60 million years ago, Australia broke apart from Antarctica and Australia started to move up. And now above the Australian plate, you have all these twisted and – and turned areas of oceanic plate that are only twenty, by the way, twenty and thirty million years old, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is that's not right. It's supposed to be much, 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 much older. Uh, all happened at that time, which is about the time the dinosaurs died. Yeah. Now that kind of upheaval on the Earth is tremendous compared to a meteor hit. Yeah. Tremendous. And, and speaking of meteor and that's hits, the way the wind blow, and that's the way the wind blows by yeah. the way
2: and and speaking of meteor hits do you want to take a a whack at the double whack theory on the moon creation oh jesus
0: <laughs> what <laughs> which is
2: the the earth getting hit and creating the moon is that the, yeah that's that's funny and then getting hit again
1: and one. stopping it perfectly I'm, you know.
0: I'm i'm looking for that big groove in the earth that chopped the moon out of it <laughs> exactly what happened there
3: yeah, oh, the, the Earth was
0: molten at the time. Oh, there. Uh, now I have to accept the Earth was molten. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Let me see. Did it? Did it chip it out while it was? Oh, wait a second. There's rogue planets flying around the universe. Really? I thought. I thought planets went around suns. You mean there are rogue planets flying around the universe? Helter skelter no fucking kidding where did you come up <laughs> with that i'm sorry is that that dad? really really really
1: is that nibiru um, or however you pronounce it this,
0: planet is x? that what
1: uh Nibiru. yeah however you pronounce x. that yeah planet x yeah that supposedly hit us
0: to cause that oh Nabiru! oh i'm using that in a comic book oh I'm are using you Nabiru in a comic book oh very yes. cool oh, yes. i'm land i'm landing uh i'm landing um uh, new Krypton on Niburu. very cool. And then Apocalypse lands on one side. see. <laughs> we can't see it cause it's, we can't see it because it's on the other side of the sun. You know, Neil, that is badass. I love
2: that, Neil. I think all of this stuff is fascinating. I I really hope that that somebody you know that 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 as a whole people start to take it a little bit seriously. I don't expect everybody to just.
0: be You have to understand. It, but... Just so you just so you know, just so you know, I never lose. Yeah. I never lose on any of these things. And and, and I'm just going to tell you, you may be you may know something about my comics career. I don't know. I battled Warners over Jerry Siegel and Joe Shuster. You yes. know about that? Yeah, I yes. know about Creators that. Creators yeah. of Superman. Okay. I won because I had the facts. Mm-hmm. I got original art returned to artists because I had the facts. We
3: just I, got percentages.
0: Right. I had percentages for artists because I had the facts. I researched it. I researched it till the cows came home. They couldn't fight me because they were wrong and I was right. I don't take on battles where I'm wrong or the possibility exists that I'm wrong. Sam Carey did the basic work.
3: Yeah, I'm
0: standing on the shoulders of a god, for Christ's sake, here, who, who understood it all. And these guys, these jerks, found a crack in the ocean and said, no, the earth, the earth eats its own skin like a fucking snake. <laughs> and, you know... I'm, you know, I'm I'm willing to believe that that's a process that goes on just like abduction happens, subduction happens, abduction happens, mountain building happens, but this is nonsense. You cannot eat all of that, okay, and then have an oceanic plate that is exactly the same age in the Atlantic as it is in the Pacific. And they say, no, well, what happens is the oldest stuff gets eaten first. Excuse me. There's a 180-million-year-old plate right in the Pacific Ocean, and it has not been touched by subduction, nor has the 170-million-year-old plate been touched, and there's a 160-million-year-old plate area that the little corner has been nicked off of by by the subduction. So, no, it's all – it's, again, just total bullshit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's this, all this theoretical stuff that's just not true. How can you possibly have – oceanic plate everywhere on the earth that is no older than 180 million years old exactly the same Atlantic exactly the same as the Pacific oh it's a coincidence (laughs) I'm sorry we'll go to Sherlock Holmes on this one okay I don't believe in coincidence and they
2: did deep core samples on the on the on
0: the uh when they've got the the ages they've got ages of all the oceans of the earth yeah. All, oh, and it's none of it. None of it. You can't find a square inch that's older than 180 million years old. How is that even possible? Think about this, okay? According to the Pangea theory, where uh, where all the continents were on one side. I'm sorry, I have to laugh when I hear all the continents were on one side of the Earth uh, somehow seamless. <laughs> I don't know right. how they got there. Actually, they got there because 700 million years ago they broke apart in the Pacific. And they broke apart. They all rode around the Earth, and they joined up in the Atlantic, according to geology. There you go. Isn't that a there good one? Go. Like that? Isn't that, Isn't that? That's a corker. I love that one. Ah. <laughs> it, it, they called it. They called that Rodinia. Rodinia. Seven hundred million years ago, it began to Rodinia began to break up in the Pacific. All the pieces rode. All the pieces. Every single island. All the pieces, excluding none, rode around the Earth. And joined up in the Atlantic wow. and became Pangea, mm. and there's and it's seamlessly, you know, it's there's no mountains, there's no seams, none of it. It's amazing. And so anyway, so oh God, oh Jesus, you know this that stuff is so stupid. Anyway, so if if that is true, okay, and and geologists and paleontologists will tell you that all the dinosaurs existed on all seven continents at the same time, okay, mm-hmm. over the ages of the dinosaurs and the ages of the reptiles. And that's a really wonderful thing, and that's a great proof for the Pangea theory. It's actually a much better proof for what I'm talking about. But if that is the case, okay, then all of that Pacific, over 10,000 miles wide, mm mm-hmm, Uh, more than that. Why did I say 10,000 miles? It would have to be more like 12,000 miles wide. Anyway, 12,000 miles wide, covering two-thirds of the Earth, had to be, that oceanic plate, had to be every inch of it far older than 180 million years old. It had to be, in some cases, as old as 700 million years old Mm -hmm. to 180 million, because it's all older than the spreading Atlantic. All older, and somehow the Earth ate every square inch of it.
2: Yeah, in both in both directions, it ate
0: it in both. Yeah, directions. oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah. just, it's, uh, it's. I mean, I, there are things that people, you know, you hear and you go, "Really, really, you believe that?" No, no, really. Like, I, 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 it's like Pac-Man, right? You had these little Pac-Man things that were just going around in the harbors and the inlets and eating every little bit. Bit of geological record so that we you could, or is it just that the dog ate the homework? I'm sorry, right, right. Totally, totally beyond me how they can do this. (laughs) There were no mountains. There were no. You know, I hear. There's so much more. There's twice as many fish families that are that are um, freshwater fish than are shallow water fish. Well, according to the Pangaea theory, if two-thirds of the Earth was covered with water and then, okay, two-thirds of the continental plate was covered with water, okay, then that water had to be salt water, right? Yeah. Because it was contiguous. It, it joined, okay? So only now one-eighth of the continental plate was above water. One-eighth, okay? And yet somehow it managed to spawn... Twice as many freshwater fish as the deep oceans. Right. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, you know, it's insane. It's just insane. Yeah. There's nothing in any area, you know, dashed, you go and study, you know, fish fossils. Or study fish and freshwater fish and saltwater fish. Yeah. Uh, it just is insane. Imagine that the deep oceans were billions of years old. And now we look at the bottoms of our oceans and we see this primitive life slowly evolving into our oceans and, and the things that we see down there. And, and somehow the evolutionary process took place. It's sort of like, you know, they say, yes, life first started in deep oceans. No, it started in shallow tide pools on the land where it was very, very shallow and there's hardly any of it. That's where it started in tide pools on the land. It couldn't start in the deep oceans because if it started in the deep oceans, that was billions of years ago. So we would have had life there for billions of, well not billions but we would have had life there for 4 or 500 million just like on the land huh. and we don't wow. and we don't it's stupid <laughs> i'm just saying yeah. it's amazing well, you know and you know collect believe me you go ahead and collect facts from some of these uh, some of these guys i challenge anybody out there please hit me with a barrage of facts you know, or what you call facts were really just theories and tell me, you know, that any of anything that I said is not true and is not factual. I have a geological report of a guy who, who uh, dug in the East coast of the United States where they talk about, you know, the, the Adirondacks or the Appalachians were uh, 200 million years old. And the guy digs down and he digs down to that area uh, that would be the area of the Appalachians. And he says, uh, first of all, it's 200 feet underwater. Second of all, it's flat as a board. <laughs> <laughs> flat as a board. Oh my it's gosh. it's totally it's it's all nuts, man. I'm telling you. Yes, I got I have an I have a, I have a, a you know a paleontological report that says uh, about this uh, from this uh, 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 emeritus of Professor Emeritus of. Uh, Natural History, and he wrote a book, and I have this quote from him saying, he says, well, you know, the land was pretty much topographically flat, and there were no really mountains or high places anywhere where the dinosaurs were. Otherwise, they wouldn't be able to migrate to these places and, and proliferate all through the seven continents. Mm-hmm. And then and then geologists are trying to prove there were mountain ranges everywhere. Right. No. Right. Uh, excuse me. If there were, how would the Here, try this one. This is a good one. If two thirds of the of Pangaea were covered with water, how could you say it was an island? What mm-hmm. you do is draw a Pangea, draw a shape, okay, and then take a magic marker and cover and color over areas randomly uh, that cover two thirds of that island of, of that big giant island, and then see whether or not you have an island. <laughs> it looks <laughs> like the Philippines. Yeah, it's yeah. a series of islands. It has to become a series of islands. You could do it right in front of yourself. Just make a circle, and then just take a marker and, and color two thirds of it in, you know, chunks of water, and you have a series of islands. There was no Pangaea, according to the Pangeas, according to the geologists who say that two thirds was covered with water. You can't. There was no Pangaea. Yeah. It was covered two thirds with water. It was it's a just, series of not. islands. To, to and them, if if it, it, if that's right. It had to be a series of islands, yeah. but then it couldn't be Pangea and the dinosaurs couldn't migrate from one to the other. Yeah. And if there were mountain ranges that would cut – imagine the dinosaurs trying to cross the Rockies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's ridiculous. It's well, ridiculous.
2: Well, yeah. If, anybody, if you've gone to the west coast of the U.S., the mountains stretch mm-hmm. from – from Canada all the way down right. into, uh, all the way down into Mexico. Of so,
0: course. That's... Not only that, all the plants are different on one side than the other. Yeah, yeah. Those mountain ranges are no more than 60 million years old. Yeah.
3: But you can and find it, and the same animals. And coincidentally,
0: let's see, let's see, coincidentally, uh, that's when the dinosaurs died off. Yeah. Funny about that.
2: <laughs> Funny thing. Yeah. Migration. Uh, it's, I think this is this is one of the most fascinating things I've come across in my in my lifetime.
0: Absolutely. In, in, in no, a, no. Let me just tell you. Let me just tell you this. Okay, this is the most fascinating <laughs> thing you will ever come across in a dozen lifetimes. Sure. This is staggeringly when the results of this finally get realized, and it, they start to apply it to all these different things. It's just going to make a revolution in science that exactly. you've never seen it before. Oh. And here we are talking like regular human beings about this, uh-uh. you know. And I'm joking around, but I every once in a while I sit back and I think of the ramifications of it, and it just <laughs> fucking floors me. I'm just like, oh Jesus Christ! Can this? Can I shift this load to somebody else? I mean, I like to, I've had enough of this crap. I got to get back to work.
2: How long is it going to take, Neil?
3: For some... I have no.
0: It could happen tomorrow. Could happen tomorrow. Yeah. You don't know what the break. This is what what I've seen. Okay, I I fought for the return of original artwork for seven years. Yeah, and yeah. it the event happened within a week, within a week. Wow, the right discussion took place, and and it happened within a week. And both DC and Marvel Comics returned the made the decision within a week of each other. Yeah, royalties, same thing, same thing. What happens is as you move something forward. I've I have, and if you study things you will find that there's, it's, it's an accelerated progression. It starts a very, very slow, very, very, stays slow for a long period of time. It's tedious. Then it suddenly starts to accelerate, and it's acceleration gets greater and greater as you get toward that turning point, and it becomes incredible. It's just so fast that it ha- it's almost like a flash. But that happens historically. That's what happens with human beings. Mm-hmm. You see it happen. Some uh, television show, You see Walking Dead, you know, you watch Walking Dead, and it's like, if you watch this stupid Walking Dead show, I don't know, it was a comic book, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a comic book for a couple of years, and a really comic book, I never read that. I don't know. And then suddenly, it accelerates, and then people are walking like zombies through the streets of of, uh, uh, conventions, you know, (laughs) scaring people on the sidewalk. (laughs) It just accelerates and turns into this massive thing. To everybody tells everybody and suddenly, boom, it's there. So I can't tell you how it's going to happen. And I, you know, everyone that I've ever been involved in, I could not have predicted in the, uh, ahead of time. Yeah. Not even possible. So I, I, all I'm doing is working at it. I'm going to do the next animation. I'm going to present it. Uh, I'm going to make talks, you know, uh, uh, speeches and stuff. And at some point, the turn's going to have, or it's going to begin, you know, and then it'll accelerate. And it'll happen. And then as everything will go upside down. And all the textbooks have to be rewritten. It's yeah. insane.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: But that's what's going to have to happen. Anyway, are we good for now?
2: We are good. Hey, I have one more question. Are, you, are you, Sure, uh, sure. I read an article the other day. Now, this is about comics.
0: <laughs> this? Yeah. I had, okay, so I'm at a, I had a convention in San Diego, and I have a long conversation with the zoologist relative to the the effects of the theory on zoology, and we had this great conversation because I, you know, I love his subject, uh-huh. and you know, people are walking away from the table, you know, and, oh, fuck, what was that all about? <laughs> okay. We'll come back later when Neil isn't talking to some guy who's talking about animals. Yeah, and I get through an hour and a half, and the guy says, "Man," he says, "This, you know, this is one of the best conversations I've ever had." He says, "I have one question: Are you ever going to draw Batman again?" <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, I, I
2: read an article about the, the comic book movies and, um, and the creators of, of, of these characters getting their, their piece rather than just Marvel and, and DC getting their piece. I, I, or have you thought, yeah, yeah. is that true? And if it is, are you going to take that one on?
0: I got, uh, for the first, uh, the, the problem is that, uh, Marvel is really bad at it, but they do give some money. Yeah. Very bad. Uh, are um, they give like uh, uh, if your if your character appears in a movie, you get twenty five thousand dollars. If if my character Raza Gool appeared in the first Batman movie uh, of the three of the last three, I got a check for a hundred thousand dollars, and it wasn't even in the contract. Wow. And I got a check for a hundred thousand dollars for the third movie. Yeah. Same thing. Unfortunately, I only got a check for ten thousand dollars for the for the uh, Joker movie, which was mostly based on Joker's five way revenge. And I got really pissed off about that. So we've tried to codify it and make it better. Yeah. So um, Marvel, DC is more agreeable, and it's taken a long time. And imagine how many people have had stuff in movies and they never got anything. Things are the the ship is turning. Yeah. Yeah. And they always know I'm there. I mean, I'll tell you a quick story. Okay. Okay. Uh, I kind of dropped out of comics for a while. I did Superman versus Muhammad Ali, and then I sort of went on strike because this work made for higher provision of the copyright law, which you guys should look into, and you probably won't. But there you go. <laughs> uh, and uh, and I kind of disappeared from doing comic books because I was doing advertising and I was raising my kids and putting them through college and shit, and that's very expensive. And advertising is better money than comic books. But people were noticing that I was, you know, I was I wasn't there anymore, and they were at a uh, the San Diego convention. And apparently Harlan Ellison was there, and uh, he was you know, doing a panel. And somebody got up and said, uh, uh, Mr. Ellison, uh, what do you think is going to happen now that Neil Adams is gone from comics? And Harlan said, Neil may be gone from comic books, but they still have to think about the sons of Neil Adams.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> that is good, yeah uh do you, do you have any uh, upcoming projects? Like are you going to do a Walking Dead
3: comic Yes,
0: I'm or? working on – uh, first of all, I want everybody that you know to go out and buy Batman Odyssey, and I want them to turn to eight pages before the end of the book and watch Batman shoot the sensei with uh, four bullets nice. and then go, how oh, the fuck did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Because Batman Go doesn't read, everybody account, so. read Batman Odyssey. I'm telling you, it is, the, it is the turning of the ship of the future of comic books. It is the novelized, um, uh, it's like a movie, of a, of a, it's a comic book movie. Yeah. And nice. that's what we're going to have. We're going to have regular comic books, and then we're going to have comic book books that are not collections or stories, but are one story, one novel. Yeah, and that's what we want to see in the future, and that's going to support the bookstores, and it's going to support the comic book stores, which are all going to join together. Absolutely, when the uh, bookstores stop getting so fucking uppity yeah. and start uh, yeah. looking at reality, and if they want to stay in business, they're going to have to change. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, so that uh, that's that's the last one that I did that I want everybody to get, and I'm now working on a Superman New Gods. And I am using Niburu as the planet uh, on the other side of the sun I'm looking the forward to that the yeah. Kryptonians are settled on, and uh, and I'm using an apocalypse goes there, and along with Darkseid and all Jack Kirby's characters, I'm kind of bring them all back, this is awesome. and we're going to have a romp. We are going to have a romp.
2: <laughs> Sounds great. That is awesome, man. Yeah. And your next appearance at a uh, at a convention, your next convention, uh,
0: the New York convention. In fact, that's uh, next weekend.
2: Very next cool. Weekend.
0: So you're, you're at Comic Con. They're going to have like a hundred thousand people there. Crazy! Uh, it's going to be a big one. You guys can go to my site and find, or tell everybody that go to neiladams.com. Go to neiladams.com. dot mm-hmm. Go to go to ne- one. Go to neiladams.com and go to uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, what's his name? Joel. Batman and Batman. Kevin Smith's uh, thing. And, and he has podcasts and he has a podcast called Fat Man on Batman. Yeah, yeah, I have not pulled <laughs> and up I, right now, yeah. Yeah, and he's got uh three five uh 5-hour five shows with me. And everybody tells me they're fantastic. I refuse to listen to them, but apparently <laughs> they are good and people are all as, telling each other as a matter of And fact, they're loading them into their car so they can listen to them while they drive to work and drive yeah, home. Yeah. That's how they, they like them.
2: And so Neil, I have had fat man pulled up on my computer screen the entire time before I even called you. And I plan Uh on listening to every single one of them. I love this one where this guy comes in and he says, uh, he, he comes up with a fake quote for you. Hey, listen to me. I'm Neil Adams. I'm so awesome. And then you, you reply to him, and then he comes back and just kisses your butt completely. <laughs> I know. kisses your ass.
3: It's so
0: funny. So, it's so, funny.
2: so yeah, I plan on listening it's to like, those. It's
0: like I, I liken that to the uh, to the uh, you know the lion walks through the glen, and the monkeys throw their shit at him, and then he turns, and they all scatter into the trees. <laughs> yeah, hope exactly oh, he turned. That. No shit.
2: Yeah, and they can also go to neiladams.com science, click on the science button, and purchase these videos. I'm sure they were not cheap to make.
0: Uh, yeah, and that's true. But you can also go to YouTube, and you can watch most of them there. Yes, you know yeah. you can get them. You can get them to collect. You know, you can download them, and uh, it costs some money to download them. But you can probably even if you're clever enough, you can download them off YouTube. Believe me, you can rip anything that I do off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can find a way. You know, don't have yeah. to pay anything for it. Yeah, but but if you're if you're if you're sincere and exactly. oh God, forget that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, go go there. Also, those of you who are fans. Buy commissions off that site and get artwork, and uh, you know why don't, I, why don't I promote myself here? And go to go to Kevin Smith's site. Kevin Smith does a great podcast. You guys gotta gotta hear it. And if you're serious uh, a serious scientist, just get pissed at me. <laughs> it's good for you. It's good for you. It gets the blood blood going. It's the corpuscles moving. Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. if you want to argue with me, argue with me because I will rip your heart out. <laughs> <laughs> in I a nice it. way in a nice way in a nice way
1: well, Neil thank you anyway, so much man you've been so generous with your time thank you
0: yeah. it's a pleasure Amazing. thank you thank
2: you okay Have a good bye-bye day. now bye you too bye-bye all right so that was the uh that was the interview with Neil Adams mind-blowing
3: <laughs> absolutely
2: freaking mind-blowing yeah yeah so when uh, I don't know if you're going to have an argument with your daughter when she comes back and says, hey, in Science Today, we learned that uh, the continents slide around.
1: (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to field those yet. Some of you are like, no, they're feeding you full of horse shit.
2: (laughs) Well,
1: you can't do that. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. She's going to fail. Yeah. Yeah.
3: (laughs)
2: So. Well, I believe it. I, I I definitely believe it. Like I said, I trust the fact that he he got these things off the shelf from you know that they're all working theories, and he just put it together. Yeah, and and I trust in that. Uh, I I I know that Neil Adams isn't a scientist, but uh, he's a really smart guy. He's he's basing it. He's adding to or basing all of it off of an actual scientist. Uh, theory who which was a friend of him his uh, so go check out go check out Neil Adams page we're gonna have a link on Facebook right watch all the videos you can watch them on YouTube we'll have a link to that too uh, they're very very interesting uh, also uh, like us on Twitter or follow us on Twitter yeah we have to say that like us on Facebook Email us your comments uh, at uh, ectoplasmshow at
1: gmail.com. Isn't it the ectoplasm show? I think, I think honestly, it's just ectoplasm show. Okay,
2: ectoplasmshow at gmail.com. We we say something different every week. Yeah, we do. Well, <laughs> it's because we forget, <laughs> right? Whether right. it's the ectoplasm show, we should have it written down on a sticky note so that way we we don't look so. Friggin' unprofessional, but I
1: do know that, like on Twitter, we are at ectoplasm show.
2: Mm-hmm. I do know that, and Facebook, we're the ectoplasm show. The yeah, <laughs> so uh, so like us there. We we have two people, <laughs> two yes. people following. Us no, on I think Twitter. we have twelve
1: or. Yeah.
2: I don't know what we have. Now. 12 on Facebook. 12 on Facebook. 12 fans on Facebook. Two people on Twitter. We're rising stars. <laughs> <laughs> we are getting there. Yeah. Slowly but surely. Well, it's only our fourth episode. That's know. very true. So, uh, And well, for
1: our fourth episode, I'm sorry, but I'm very, very happy that we got Neil fucking Adams yeah. <laughs> to come and talk to us. Yeah. It's amazing.
2: Yeah, I think so. Uh, it's it, you know, from our world, uh, it's like talking to a superstar. Right. Right. Not because of the growing earth theory, but because because of the things this guy's done in his life. And that's you just know. it, is he's done so much. I mean to me it's it's just as exciting to talk to him as it would be to talk to Stan Lee. Right. And right. if you are a comic book fan, go and buy Batman Odyssey. Yeah, you plugged that a little bit. Yeah. Go buy Batman Odyssey. If you're not a comic book fan, go buy it anyways because, you know what? Uh, The reason we have all these badass comic book movies, comic book superhero movies, is because of comic books. Exactly. And and you have to support comic books. You know, the next superheroes out there. Yes. You know. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So buy it for your kids if you have any.
1: Stocking stuffers.
2: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that's uh, the end of today's show.
1: Cool cool. Everybody stay well.
0: Time making a rule. Never to get involved with possessed people. Actually it's more of a guideline rule.
1: And I know what I saw and that's not what you're telling me what I saw.